is the word of God? What is the word of God? So someone wants to ask you, what's the word of God? And the answer, the Holy Scriptures of the Old and New Testaments are the word of God. And the only certain rule of faith and obedience. We spoke about this last Lord's Day, uh, if you remember on the WebEx. Um, and what we were talking about mainly was the inspiration of Scripture. Uh, do you guys remember that a little bit? Uh, that when we say the Bible is the word of God, we actually mean what we say. It's not a figure of speech. Um, it's not just a play on words to make it sound more important, make this book sound more important than it really is. But when we say the Bible is the word of God, the Bible is the word of God. That God inspired men to write the Bible. So when you're reading James, when you're reading a letter from Paul, uh, when you're reading the first five books that Moses wrote, are you reading the words of Moses? Did they originate in the mind of Paul? No. You're reading the words of God. God, uh, through his prophets, through his apostles, through various writers, spoke. And we want to think again that these men went into some trance, like their eyes rolled in the back of their heads and they began to write or think something like that. But they were aware of what they were doing, um, but they weren't fully aware of all that they were writing because they are writing the words of God. So if someone was to tell you, well, I don't believe the Bible because the Bible was written by men. Well, you should tell them, well, I don't believe the Bible is written by men either. I believe the Bible is written by God. And we say that the Bible is inspired. So that's what it means. The Bible is inspired. So when the catechism says the Holy Scriptures of the Old and New Testament are the word of God, the Old and New Testament, both, not just the New Testament, but the Old Testament are written by God. And of course, we know that there are various authors that men use to pin his word. But all of these writers were writing from a messianic vantage and viewpoint. Meaning, they were all speaking of one person who was going to accomplish one work. And that is the person of Jesus Christ. And that's amazing about the word of God, is it not? That in light of all these people in different parts of the area... They're all writing about one person who uh, was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And then we saw that the Holy Scriptures are the only certain rule of faith and obedience. We talked a little bit about that, but uh, this evening, I want us to just look at that phrase alone. That the Holy Scriptures are the only rule, only certain rule of faith and obedience. The only certain rule of faith and obedience. And the reason why I want to get it, dedicate a whole lesson uh, Sunday evening to this phrase is because this phrase alone speaks to much of what is wrong with Christianity in the church today. You see, there are many people who want to say that God, Christians, that God is still giving out revelation. That God is still audibly speaking to people, whether it be them through a dream or whether it be God is speaking, you know, in that little voice in the heart or in the mind, <laughs> however he does that. But God is still 
giving out revelation to people, right? Um, and as we learned uh, this morning uh, from Pastor Antonio, that there are many preachers that want to say, uh, thus saith the Lord, and think that, and the, and the people think that it's actually coming from God. Um, again, one of the arguments against that is, well, if that is true, then what do you say about Joseph Smith, who claimed had a revelation from God? What, what's wrong with his revelation? Well, what do you say about Muhammad, who claimed to have a revelation from God, right, who wrote the book of the Quran? What, what's, what's going on there? So um, there are many problems with if one thinks that God is still giving out new revelation, okay? Um, but also, too, this phrase speaks to if whether one believes the Bible is sufficient or not. And that really goes along with people who are thinking that God is still giving out new revelation, um, that they need something more than what the Bible says. And, of course, that is not true. This phrase alone is what divides us from cults, religions, other religions, and various branches of Christianity. Uh, so a lot hangs on this phrase that the Bible is the only certain rule of faith and obedience. What divides us from Roman Catholics? A large part of it is this phrase here. What divides us from Mormons? This phrase here, a large part of it. There's more, of course. Um, so let's begin. And rather than giving you points, what I want to do is just, I want to, I just want to go line by line, or line by line, word by word, through the phrase, and just give you a definition of what it is and then why it's important. Okay? So, notice, after uh, the Catechism says, uh, the Holy Scriptures of the Old and New Testament are the Word of God, it now locates how the Holy Scriptures are to be used. So, we already clarified what the Word of God is. It is the Word of God. Now, we have to ask, how are the Holy Scriptures to be used? What are we supposed to do with them? And it says that the Holy Scriptures are the only certain rule of faith and obedience. So what do the Holy Scriptures mean to us as Christians? It means that it's our only rule of faith and obedience. Essentially, that's what it's saying. Now, notice that nothing else is to be the only certain rule of faith and obedience for the Christian. It doesn't say the Holy Scriptures plus new revelation. The Holy Scripture plus what your pastor says. The Holy Scripture plus what all these dead theologians have said. Or what various creeds or councils have said. But the Holy Scriptures alone are the only rule of faith and practice. And saints, here is what divides us from many cults and religions and various branches of Christianity. Let's take, for example, the Roman Catholic Church. The Roman Catholic Church believes that there are three things that uh, make up who and what has the final say in matters of faith and practice. We could think of it as a, a three-legged stool. There, there are three things that comprise uh, authority in the church. So we believe that the Bible alone has the final authority, Reformed Protestants. The Catholic believes that there are three things that have authority. And these three things are Scripture, Sacred Tradition, and the magisterium. Scripture, sacred tradition, and the magisterium. First, they believe in Scripture. Scripture has authority. And much like us, we find much commonality with the Roman Catholic Church with Scripture. 
The Roman Catholic Church believes that the scriptures are without error. The Roman Catholic Church believes that the scriptures are incapable of making an error. Although the Roman Catholic Church err in believing that the, um, uh, adding the Apocrypha to their Bible, um, is also inspired. We don't believe that the Apocrypha is inspired by God. But as far as the Bible itself, they believe that the Bible is the very literal, actual words of God. There's really no debate between us and Roman Catholics there. The debate between us and Roman Catholics, among many things, is this. The Roman Catholic Church doesn't believe that the Holy Word is sufficient. They believe it's inerrant, infallible, and capable of making an error, but they don't believe that the Bible is sufficient. That we need more than God's Word for matters of faith and practice. More is required. Now, what are these more things that are required? Sacred tradition and the magisterium. Those are the two other things that are required. So, what is sacred tradition? What do they mean by sacred tradition? Sacred tradition consists of the teachings that Jesus orally communicated to his apostles, who in turn orally communicated those teachings to the bishops. Again, oral or sacred tradition are those teachings that Jesus orally communicated to his apostles, and in turn, those apostles orally communicated those teachings to the bishops. In other words, sacred tradition is the unwritten word of God. That there are things that God has revealed to us and to his church that have not been inscripturated. That is oral tradition. That is sacred tradition. So, for example, the perpetual virginity of Mary, meaning that Mary continued to be a virgin after she gave birth to Christ. That is something that's a part of sacred tradition. That is something that the Roman Catholic Church believes that has been passed down. That's, it's not explicitly taught in the Bible, but the church has always believed it. In fact, I would say about... of what the Roman Catholic Church believes about Mary is not taught in the Bible. Or, let me say also, implicitly taught in the Bible. Like, you can't deduce the perpetual virginity of Mary from the Bible. You can't deduce from the Bible the immaculate conception of Mary, meaning that Mary was free from original sin. But also, you can't deduce from Scripture the bodily assumption of Mary, that she went up like Enoch or someone. Um, that's not something that's explicitly taught nor implicitly deduced from Scripture, okay? But it's something that's always been taught and believed by the apostles and that has been orally passed down without being inscripturated in the Bible. And to the Roman Catholic Church defense, they agree. They say, yeah, it's not in the Bible. It's not explicitly taught. The the, uh, Catholic Catechism says, the perpetual virginity of Mary is not revealed truth, which can be clearly demonstrated from New Testament without the light of tradition. So you can't believe and find the perpetual virginity of Mary from Scripture, just by reading Scripture, but you can find it if you assist your reading of the Word of God with sacred tradition, with what theologians of the past have said concerning Mary, and other things, of course. The Roman Catholic Church believes that there is an inseparable link between 
uh, scripture and tradition, they harmonize. They go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. Okay. Um, the Catechism of the Catholic Church says scripture and tradition are so bound close, are so bound closely together and communicate with one another. Both of them flowing out with the same wellspring come together in some fashion to form one thing and move toward the same goal. So in summary, scripture and tradition together make up uh, authoritative divine revelation for the Catholic Church. You need scripture, but also you need this oral tradition that's been passed on uh, that the church has just always believed. Um, and, and let me say, this doesn't mean that we are to throw away tradition. And I don't want you to get a... I don't, when I say... Uh, the Roman Catholic Church believes in scripture and tradition. Well, that's, that's an error. It's scripture alone, um, in which our conscience is to be held under. However, we aren't to do away with tradition because all of us have tradition. Whether it be Reformed Protestant, whether it be Lutheran, Anglican, Arminian, we all have a tradition. The big issue here is whether you will allow your tradition and whether your tradition is consistent with what the Bible says? Does your tradition explicitly and implicitly teach what the Bible says? And the Roman Catholic Church, much of their tradition, not only explicitly and implicitly does not teach what the Bible says, but also they put their tradition on par with Scripture. So tradition is one and the same with Scripture. We would say that our tradition is not one and the same with Scripture. You know, the heck with what some of the theologians said, if need be. All we need is the Bible. But that doesn't mean that it's just the Bible in ourselves. But we have a tradition, and I love our Reformed tradition. Many times you'll hear me quote many men from our Reformed tradition. And we need those people. God has given to us those people. Uh, but those people do not are not the ones who bind our conscience. Uh, John Calvin does not bind our conscience, but the word of God binds our conscience, if that makes sense, okay? The Puritan Thomas Boston speaks of this well, and if anyone wants to say that, you know, we, like the Roman Catholic Church, elevate tradition as scripture, here's a reform author, a Puritan, says this, the opinions of the fathers, decrees of councils, acts of the assemblies, covenants, the minister's sermons, are not the rule of faith to us. Nor can any of them bind us, but insofar as they are agreeable to the word of God, by which all of them must be judged and examined. So similar to what Pastor Antonio said this morning, when the preacher is preaching the word of God, and when it's preached accurately, then we can say that that preacher is faithful to the word of God. Right? We can trust what that preacher says. So... Similar here, we aren't to throw away tradition, but however, what we are to throw away is that tradition is on par and one and the same with Scripture. Okay? And the third thing that make up the authority in the church is the magisterium. Simply put, the magisterium is the pope and bishop of the church. That's not to say that the pope can say what he wants. But it is to say that the pope has some say in matters of doctrine and practice. Um, and whether they want to admit it or not, when the Pope says something in matters of faith and practice, it is infallible. It's without error. Because he is the successor of Peter. And no successor of Peter can be with error. So 
Um, the magisterium is the pope and the church. Um, so in summary, uh, who has the final say according to Rome? Three things, scripture, sacred tradition, and the pope and the bishops. This is contrary to not what only our catechism teaches, but also what the Bible teaches. Ninety times in the New Testament, the phrase, it is written, is used. And if you read the New Testament, you'll hear often that Jesus and his disciples use that phrase, which means that Jesus and his disciples appealed to the word of God as the final court of appeal. We read of this in Matthew 15, where Christ rebuked the Pharisees for not accepting that the final authority is the word of God and not their tradition. He says in Matthew 15, And why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? Have you nullified the word of God for the sake of your tradition? So here, Jesus is saying that the Pharisees use their tradition to misinterpret the scripture. Who does that sound like? The Roman Catholic Church. The Roman Catholic Church, very much like the Pharisees of the day, and I'm not saying that they are Pharisees, but very much like the Pharisees, use scripture or use their tradition to misinterpret scripture. And one of the great errors of the Catholic Church is their denial of the sufficiency of scripture. Since God has spoken to us in his word, the Bible is all that we need because the Bible is without error. If we say that the Bible is without need, we say that because it's without error, because it comes from one who is without error, God. Again, this doesn't mean that we do away with our tradition, read the Puritans, read the Reformed Scholastics, read John Calvin and all these men. They have been great gifts to the church. But what all these men say must be lined up and be consistent with what the word of God says. There must be a link between the words of men and the words of God. And if there is not a link, then do away with what these men are saying. At least some of them. Okay? Some of the things that they say. Um, let's move on. Notice our catechism says the Holy Scriptures are the only certain. Again, which speaks to sufficiency. Right? Uh, a point that I just made, but it can't be overstressed. Like, the sufficiency of Scripture cannot be overstressed, especially in our day and age today. That the Scripture is enough, right? Uh, when we say, so when the Bible says, or when it's, the Catechism says that the Bible is certain, uh, it is to say that the Bible is unquestionably reliable. Unquestionably reliable. It means that there is no doubt that the Word of God is enough for man's faith and practice. Psalm uh, 119.60, the sum of your words is truth. Proverbs 30, verse 5, every word of God proves true. To say that God's word is certain is to have absolute trustworthiness of God's written word. No matter what science says, no matter what philosophy says, I'm going to trust what the Bible says, not the opinions of man. This also means that nothing can be added to God's word, and nothing can be taken away from God's word. As harsh as some of the things that you read might be. And think about this, saints. Throughout history, there have been many books that have been written, but the Bible is the only written document that is without error and incapable of making an error. 
Think about all the books that have been written in history. And the Bible is the only one where you don't need a proofreader. You don't need someone to correct it because it's without error and incapable of making an error. Why? Because it's the very words of God. And God can't make errors. There is nothing in God's word that is incorrect, nor needs to be improved upon. And again, that's one of the errors, great errors of the church today, where you have a Bible like the Message Bible. What is the purpose of a Message Bible? What it is, it is to water down what God says in his word and to, in a lot of ways, improve by making it more palatable. So you can understand it and you can make it, make, in a lot of ways, makes you feel better. And, and you know, and, and that Bible alone, if you, if you have that Bible, honestly, throw it away. It's not a Bible. And I believe that that's one of, the Puritans will talk about this, that Satan throughout history has made up his own Bibles. And that right there is a Bible from hell. That is not the word of God. Next, uh, the Catechism says the word of God is the rule the only rule of faith and obedience. It says it's the only certain rule, okay, rule. The term rule is understood as something which regulates or guides, which regulates or guides us. To call God's word the rule is to point to the fact that God's written word regulates and guides our Christian life. God's word regulates and guides us. Now, How many of you believe that? We all should. Now, how and what ways are you living it? Well, you can say, Pastor Isaiah, I'm living it right now. Because technically, according to government standards, you're not supposed to be here. You're supposed to be at home. No one's supposed to be having church right now. Especially in California, at least. But what you are saying by your presence here is God's word regulates my life not what the government says not what um, anyone says from higher ups but god's word alone right you see church as essential you see the worship among the saints as essential and let me say and let me commend you for being here you understanding in light of the various viruses and you know we have ralph who has a mask on that's understandable right But look at you all, wearing shirts. Me and Pastor Antonio and Bobby are really the only ones that are covered up, wearing long sleeves. You guys are not caring, really, if you contract something, right? No gloves on, right? Not to say that you're not taking it serious, but what does it say is that God's word and what he says alone um, is going to override much, if not all, of what the government says, even especially during this time today. Um, as soon as the government starts to over uh, override uh, and step out of bounds with what we believe um, the, the titles that they've been called to uphold and the things that they've been called to uphold, uh, then it's time for the church to rebel. And one of the problems what we have now in the church today is people don't want the word of God to regulate their lives. People don't think that the word of God is enough for them to follow. I've said it before, and you've heard Pastor Antonio say it before, but there's been many times when I'll preach a sermon and I tell people to obey God, 
obey his law, obey his word, I'm labeled as a legalist. I'm labeled as a Pharisee, where I'm telling Christians that they need to go back to the law to obey the law. I'm thinking to myself, well, what other uh, guide or rule that, that God has left for the Christian to follow? You can't make up your own law. So God has given to us his law. And again, one of the great things that Pastor Antonio said amongst many great things this morning is, especially on the Lord's Day Sabbath, where the common thing is, I can't do this, I can't do that. But what, when he said that it's not that you can't do this and can't do that, but you are now liberated and freed to do this and to do that. You are freed from the world who keeps you in chains six days out of the week. Releases your mind, releases, you know, all of your faculties that you may now worship with the saints uh, in a way that's a little closer to how the saints worship in heaven. So we want to think that God's law is something that we are to hate or not enjoy or not love. But saints, I believe that the godliest of saints are the ones who love God's law. Because they understand that it reflects God's righteous and moral and holy character. And they are striving to be righteous and holy in that manner. Psalm 19.7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. We are to love his law. And you guys are a great testimony of that right now. You guys love God's law. Love what he says concerning how one is to... uh, Approach and think about the Lord's Day. And the testimony of that is, you're here today, this evening. And lastly, the Catechism says, the Holy Scriptures are the only certain rule of faith and obedience. Second Timothy 3.16 speaks to this, all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. <clears throat> Friends, where are we to look for things concerning the Christian faith? Where are we to look? If you wanted to know more about Christian doctrine and theology, uh, you can buy yourself a good systematic theology, but ultimately, your ultimate authoritative source is the Bible. You want to know more about the Trinity? Well, you can read Calvin and, John, and Thomas Aquinas and John Owen and all these people, but your ultimate source, whom you go back to, is the Bible. You want to know more about who Christ is? Read the Bible. That's what it means that the Holy Scriptures are the only certain rule for faith. What we are to believe concerning the Christian faith, read your word. Read your word. And also, too, it says for obedience. How are we to live in this life? How are we to operate? Read God's word. Read the Proverbs. They'll tell you exactly how you would operate. Read James. Read First John. They'll tell you how you are to operate as a Christian. Read the Word of God for uh, us to learn more about our faith, but also for how we are to live as Christians. Um, as, uh, as we have learned weeks ago, uh, that man, by the use of his reason can know things about God by observing the created order. So man can 
observe the created order and say that God exists. That God is eternal. There is a God and He is our Creator. But man cannot look at the created order and come to some conclusion that God is Trinity. Or that they are dead in their sins and they need to be reconciled to God by the merits of Christ. But God has given to you, saints, you know, that divine and supernatural light in order that you may be regulated and guided by His Word. That you may search the deep mysteries of God. The things that the prophets long to know. You have that opportunity. And as we close uh, this lesson, uh, what are the things that we are to, to learn? Especially how are we to live in light of this lesson? Which is always the big question, right? How do we live in light of doctrine? I think the great application and the best application of this lesson is said by the Puritan Thomas Boston. <clears throat> he says, quote, Lastly, be exhorted to study the Holy Scriptures. Read them in your families and read them in secret and cry for the Holy Spirit who dictated them to make you understand them. Lock them, uh, lock them up in your chests and let them not lie dustly in your windows as too many do to their shame and disgrace. Least the dust of them witness against you. Prefer the Bible to all other books as the book whereof God himself is the author. Prize and esteem it as shewing you the way to salvation as a lamp to your feet and as a light to your paths. That is a great summary of how we are to live in light of knowing that the word of God is the only certain rule of faith and practice. I'm not saying don't read other books. But the one that should always be the lamp to your feet, the one that you just can't wait to get to, is the Word of God. And the great privilege that we have is God has given to us His Spirit so that we may amen and know and love what God says in His Word. So read your Word, saints. Love His Word. Let's pray.